0: Blog Talk Radio. Life, we talk.
1: Good morning. This is Straight Football Talk. I am your host, Teddy the Bear. Tate. For all those listeners out there, please like and share our Facebook page if you haven't done so already. If you want to be a part of the show, please dial 718-508-9883 or watch the live video on our Facebook page and comment or ask questions in the comment section. We would love to hear your views and opinions on the varying subjects we will be talking about today. We have a lot to, uh, we have a lot to discuss. So let's get started. Uh, before we get, uh, dive into the material that we have for today, um, I just want to address that uh, Super Mike uh, has decided to pursue um, his own passions and other interests, and we, uh, we wish him the best. With that being said, I want to remind everybody the number is 718-508-9883. All right, let's move on to the NFL buzz. <clears throat> Big news here. In case you haven't heard, Derek Carr, quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, Signed a contract extension, his new deal is a five-year, $125 million deal. Wow, $70 million of which is guaranteed. Not bad. I mean, it's good enough to make him the highest-paid player in the NFL, in NFL history. There you go, ching, baby. I have a question for the audience, and I want to hear back from the people, the people watching, people listening. I want to hear back from you. My question is this in regards to Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr worth being paid the highest salary in NFL history? It's a good question. Now Now I've given Colin Cowherd some scrutiny in the past for his remarks on Antonio Brown's contract extension, but here, I'm completely agreeing with what he had to say about Derek Carr, not being in the six candidates for MVP. Completely agree with Colin Cowherd. I thought Cowherd had some great points. And I will use Mr. Colin Cowherd's stats to give the audience listening and watching a better idea of if Carr is worthy of his contract, and for that matter, was he worthy of being MVP last year. So. Carr threw for 3,937 yards, so he nearly almost threw for 4,000 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, only six interceptions. That's a great ratio for a quarterback rating of 96.7, better than Aaron Rodgers in less than 15 games at that. I mean, that right there alone is phenomenal. Carr was able to to make the Raiders win 12 games, have seven game-winning drives, Five of those game-winning drives uh, were touchdown drives in fourth quarter or overtime, which sets an NFL record. Last year, the division he played in was arguably the toughest in football, and do not let the Chargers, being a top-ten pick, fool you about them being competitive in their division. They are competitive. They barely lost by, what was it, less than eight points in a lot of their games, less than uh, once touchdown. In, uh, I think eight of their games they lost. So – The Chargers were good, the Raiders were good, the Broncos were good, and obviously the Chiefs were good. Let us not forget, Derek Carr came into this league with a team that at the time was one of the biggest jokes in the NFL, and after three years this last year, he took the Raiders back to the playoffs, which ends their 14-year drought. Yards per play, the Raiders' defense was the worst in the NFL which just proves that Derek Carr has carried this Raiders team and is, in my opinion, one of, if not the most valuable player in this league. You name me another player that has more value than Derek Carr. When Derek Carr went down with an injury and couldn't play, the team lost and wasn't competitive without him and lost and just couldn't compete without him, yeah. Uh, It only solidifies Calhurt's point and my point And that he should have been MVP, in the MVP puck at least, in the top six. Come on. And he is most definitely worthy of his new contract. When I think of MVP, when I think of value of a player, it's not name, how big a guy is, you know, like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. It's how valuable he is to that team. The Patriots won three out of their four games when they didn't have uh, Tom Brady in a quarterback. The backup won two games, and the backup's backup won a game. Is Tom Brady phenomenal? Of course he is. Of course he is. But the problem I'm having with him being in the talks of, you know, of top MVP candidates is the fact that the team still won without him. Without Derek Carr, the Raiders don't win. The facts are there for it. Moving on from Mr. Carr. Again, want to hear from you guys um on our facebook live video um if you want to call in our number is 718-508-9883 is Derek carr worthy of his new deal call us comment Derek carr isn't the only one getting a new deal david harris not only got a new deal but he also got a new team and new city to call home harris was cut by the jets in order to save 6.5 million dollars on their salary cap a good move. I think they should restructure it. But this move was very surprising for the Jets, especially since now their roster is arguably one of the worst NFL rosters in history. And for them to just release their second most, uh, yeah, second most leading tackler in franchise history. And not to mention the Jets linebacking core hasn't been the most innocent as of late. Anyways, of all teams in the NFL, the Patriots pick up David Harris. And with this move, they have bolstered their defense that much more. They're able to get a productive savvy veteran for a much more franchise-friendly contact, uh, contract, a two-year, $5 million deal. $1.25 of it is guaranteed. So he went from 6 and a half guaranteed to $1.25 guaranteed. And with this contract, Harris is also able to earn up to $6.75 million of, of incentives, according to Ian Rappaport. Now, David Harris is the only Jets player that had to find a new home. Former Broncos and Jets wideout Eric Decker has, son- has been signed by the Tennessee Titans for a one-year deal worth $3.85 million. And Decker is able to receive up to $5.3 million with incentives per Rappaport. Honestly, it was best described when I read a quote the other day, and I'm not even sure who wrote it, and I would love to give them the credit they deserve uh, with this quote, but they said, and I quote, they going from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Mariota is like wrecking a Honda Accord and the insurance company replacing it with a Ferrari. End quote. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because the Titans have to love this pickup just as much, if not more, than Decker does. Some may ask why. Well, let's look at the AFC South as a whole. The Titans have to play against the Texans, who went to the playoffs last year, and the, and the, and the Texans relied on their stout defense even without the likes of J.J. Watt. And now the Texans' offense looks like they're ready to be uh, to complement that stout defense and actually put up numbers on the board. Scary thought with, uh, with the Texans. The Colts, for, uh, on the other hand, got younger and more talented on the defense, which finally looks to help their offense stay in games. We're going to be talking about that with their draft in a little bit. And the Jaguars are just a few players away from being formidable themselves. So the addition of Decker will not only – give Mariota a better chance to win football games. If you start to think about it, it's really a scary lineup for the uh, Titans offense. You have Mariota at the quarterback position, DeMarco Murray or Derrick Henry at the running back position. At tight end, you have Delaney Walker, who is a stud. Um, And then you have newly drafted Corey Davis, uh, Rashard Matthews, who was the Titans' most productive uh, receiver last year. And then now you have Decker, who has proven he can get the job done and has been productive himself, and just picturing having uh, the Titans, um, having Decker in the slot primarily just gets me amped up and ready to watch the Titans play. I actually had somebody come up to me and say the the Texans are guaranteed to win the South uh, this next year, and that's not true. The Colts and the Titans are going to be making a big push for that AFC South title, and it's going to be a battle. Um, The AFC South, you could argue and say is the most competitive in NFL football right now. You look at the AFC South, you look at the NFC South, and in my opinion, the NFC East. Those three are probably the top three uh, competitive. Now, the the New York Jets haven't uh, made headlines in just releasing players either. The New York Jets picked up former Bears wide receiver Marquise Wilson. Um, The details of Wilson's contract have not been revealed yet, but with Wilson having injury problems, I suspect that it won't be a, a great sum of money. Uh, this acquisition isn't, you know, tall or great. Uh, but then again, this whole offseason for the Jets, it almost seems like it's been a Homer Simpson moment, um, you know, where he's like, boom!
0: No! You know,
1: <laughs> just been screwing up a whole lot. But speaking of large sums of money with the Jets, the Jets still have some cap space to work with. Per overthecap.com, the Jets at this time have, you guys ready for this? Twenty four million three hundred twenty two thousand four hundred seventy dollars left to work with for this year. Not bad, but let's fast forward to the 2018 season. And yes, I'm jumping to the 2018 season because nothing's going to happen a whole lot for the Jets this year. Anyways, jump to the 2018 season, and that jump number also jumps from the likes of twenty four million dollars to $66,331,682. That's a lot of money. And that's a lot of money that can be used next offseason. And despite what Matt Forte says, the Jets are not going to be aware this, uh, this season, especially when you have a guy at the quarterback position making throws that have hit reporters, not just once, but multiple times. Even Tim Tebow is laughing at the Jets right now. This team is in with, uh, in with the old, or excuse me, out with the old, in with the young rebuild mode. And you can bet their situation will be interesting come next offseason. Of course I'm talking about who will they pick up and who will they draft next year. And guess what? We're going to have to wait and find out. Obviously I could, be, I could be wrong. The Jets could do well this year. Matt 14 could be right, but I highly doubt it. That is it for our NFL buzz this Sunday. I want to remind everyone, But if you want to be a part of the conversation, either call in at 718-508-9883 or like our Facebook page and comment in the comment section of our live video. Now, let's move on to our draft recaps. Draft recap for the Indianapolis Colts. Malik Hooker, safety out of Ohio State, the Ohio State University. Round one, pick 15. I've mentioned before, previously in previous segments, that the Colts are getting better and younger on defense. And if you don't, and you don't have to look no further than their first selection in this draft. <laughs> I know him having a one-year experience has all the experts worried about him. But let's look at the one-year experience and judge from that. 2016, he had 74 tackles, five and a half for a loss, and he was also able to snag seven interceptions which tied second in the nation. He also had four breakups, past breakups, not girlfriend breakups. So, yes, one-year experience, and the experts may say he's still so raw, but you look at what he's done on the field and the instincts and playmaking ability he possesses, and it's obvious why he is a first-round draft pick. Let's not forget, too, that the Colts selected him at number 15, and he's easily a top-ten pick. Some even have hooker in the top five, or had him in the top five, because the draft is over now. Either way, great pick for the Colts. Uh, they have, they sure up their secondary. Uh, th- again, another, it's just a great addition for them, a playmaking guy, young guy. Um, I have a feeling he's going to be making some good plays for the Colts. Moving on from Mr. Malik Hooker. Quincy Wilson, cornerback out of Florida. Round two, pick 14. Let me say yet again, the Colts needed to get younger and more talented on the defense, and they did that through the free agency earlier in the offseason, and now they have specifically addressed their secondary, not just in the first round, but with the first and second rounds. Wilson and T. Tabor were arguably the best duo in college football for defensive backs. Wilson's stats last year were 18 solo tackles, 15 assisted, for a total of 33. It's okay. Uh, three and a half of which were for the loss and one sack. He also had three interceptions and allowed less than 40% of his passes thrown his, uh, that was thrown his way to be completed. His size is pretty nice as well, standing at 6'1", 211 pounds. And the Colts are going to love that high, especially against some of, the, some of the bigger receivers they have to go up against. Another great pickup for the Colts. Young, talented, boost in the secondary. I love it. Moving on from Mr. Wilson. Terrell Basham, defensive end out of Ohio, Ohio University, the Bobcats, not Ohio State. Round three, pick 16. <laughs> Man, first three rounds, all defensive pickups. This pickup, in my opinion, is a bit underrated. Last year he was able, uh, he as in Basham, was able to garnish 28 solo tackles, 21 assisted, 14.5 for a loss, and nine sacks, which led the MAC, along with one-forced fumble good enough to be 2016 MAC Defensive Player of the Year. So now on defense, you have Jonathan Hankins, Jabal Sheard, as the most notables on the Colts, who, who, who also acquired Marquivis Mingo, and John Simon in the offseason. All, of all four of those players picked up via free agency. No matter where Basham ends up, whether it be linebacker or D-line, either way you can never have too many edge rushers, and they got another edge rusher with Terrell Basham. Another great, solid pickup. I actually love this pickup a lot. Um, It only adds to what they're trying to do um, in Indy uh, this coming year. Um, moving Moving on from Terrell Basham. Zach Banner, offensive tackle out of USC, round four, pick 31. Okay. So the Colts were definitely paying attention to what their weaknesses were. First, their defenses needed overhaul. Check. Next, their franchise quarterback was having a difficulty, uh, difficult time making plays when either guys were in his face or in the backfield after him or when he was on his back. Insert the Colts pick here. This is a big man, big man. I know we've talked about, big offensive lineman in this year's draft, but this guy is huge. Standing at 6'8", 353 pounds. That size is unheard of. But if you think that's big, Banner's junior year, he weighed in as heavy as 385 pounds. So for his senior year, he lost nearly 40 pounds, which was probably smart. Obviously, with his enormous frame, he has some power behind it and will be able to burst through the D-line like the Kool-Aid man burst through the brick, wall, brick walls on the commercials you used to see back in the day. But his strength and his size is also his weakness. He could be too big or bulky, if you will, uh, to be able to bend how he needs to um, to handle these talented NFL edge rushers. I mean, he will be seeing J.J. Watt twice a year, All he's got to do, you know, all JJ's got to do is make him nice, you know, a nice top-heavy boy like himself, tip him over. So Banner needs to keep working his butt off because to lose 40 pounds is great, but he needs to be able to keep it off and maybe shed some more and get more nimble. Either way, I like this pick. Andrew Luck likes this pick on paper, let alone when he sees him in front of him. Andrew Luck's going to love it. Moving on from Mr. Banner. Marlon Mack, running back out of USF, round four, pick 37. If you haven't heard of Marlon Mack, it's probably because he's from a small school. And, well, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Mack was USF's all-time leading rusher and was able to achieve first-team all-conference each of those three years he played, which probably had something to do with him rushing over 1,000 yards each of those three years. In 2016, Mack rushed for 174 carries, for 1,187 yards and rushed for 15 touchdowns. Best part about this pick is that he has Frank Gore ahead of him. So let Gore grind, out, grind the defense down and then the Colts can bring Mack in as a fresh pair of legs and possibly blow the top off of the opposing defenses after Gore's warmed down. Also, learning from Frank Gore isn't bad either. And Mack's role as a backup for now uh, is, a, is a backup for now, but Gore isn't getting any younger. And again, learning from a veteran like Gore has its value too. It, veteran leadership is something you can't teach. It's something you can't buy. Well, unless you're the NFL, I suppose. Gore's got a nice contract, but Marlon Mack's in a nice, is it, sitting pretty right now. He's got, a, he's in a nice situation, and I and I and I think he'll make the most of it. Moving on from Mr. Mack, Grover Stewart, defensive tackle. If you haven't heard of this kid, it's because he played for Albany State. Round four, pick 38. Okay, so if you didn't notice, the Colts had three picks in the, four, uh, in the fourth round, and they were within seven picks of each other. Not bad. The Colts yet again addressed their D-line in the offseason. Stewart, much like the rest of the prospects from small schools, will have a bit of a learning curve going from Albany State to the NFL. But one thing is, or one thing that is uh, in his favor is, is the production he had. Last year, he had 26 solo tackles, 11 assisted, 12 tackles for a loss, and seven and a half sacks. He's also pretty productive in his previous years, but I won't go over that right now. This pick will be a nice rotational pick and could lead Stewart to a starting gig once he he gets some experience under his belt, and some of these aging veterans leave. Again, this team isn't, you know, the the veterans they had on the defense last year aren't getting any younger. They're going to be on their way out in a couple years at at most. So as long as Grover Stewart stays after it, does well, he's going to have a shot at the starting gig. Moving on from Mr. Stewart. Nate Hairston, cornerback at Temple, round five, pick 14. His first three years at Temple, he did not get much playing time, and he was also wide receiver, not a cornerback during those three years. That position change from wide receiver to cornerback the coaching staff uh, made could have very well helped him make it to the next level, to the NFL. Last year, he was able to make 27 tackles, three of which were for a loss. He also managed to get two interceptions along with three pass breakups. What's good about this pick is that he adds more depth to to their roster. But here again, we see experts being concerned with him only playing for one year. He has shown good awareness and uh, plays physical. And the best part about this pick, it's like getting a ball of clay right, getting a nice little ball of clay, and the Colts can mold them to how they want them now. Solid pickup. Last pick for the Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Walker, Jr., linebacker, Northwestern, round five, pick 17. Walker was Northwestern's defensive leader, and the team made sure to get the word out about, Walker's, uh, about, about Walker, um, nicknaming him, quote, unquote, the franchise. For his whole collegiate career, Walker was able to get 154 solo tackles, 122 assisted tackles, 38 tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks, four interceptions, and eight forced fumbles. A lot of negative talk about Walker is his size—that either he came in too big, too, or he became too big too fast, um, or he needs to shed his weight down to around 230. Walker is standing at six foot one, 238 pounds. And that is slightly heavy for a middle linebacker, but the Colts training staff can slow him down, which would make him faster, more flexible, and uh, and in turn can only make this prospect better. This is a round five pick, and he may have been projected round seven or undrafted, but Walker does have good production and could earn a starting role later on in his career. Just got to stay after it, stay hungry. Now, that was the last pick for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts draft grade. I'm not going to tell you quite yet. I'll give you my little recap of the whole of their draft as a whole. First off, let me say the Colts addressed every position issue that they had uh, going into the, this year's draft. Whether the prospects uh, they selected pan out or not will remain to be seen uh, as, as time progresses. But this team had a lot of issues to address, not only in the draft, but in the offseason in general. Their, defensive, um, their defense needed rebuilt, and their secondary especially needed some tender, loving care. So TLC baby, and they did just that. From start to finish, this draft, this draft, they were able to select solid players from the ball hawking safety out of Ohio State all the way down to the franchise out of Northwestern. All of these picks are, are 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 they all starters from day one? All these picks are they starters from day one? No, but they built for the future, and they did get players that will get the nod to start day one. Some will get that nod, and I, and I think something else you have to appreciate through the Colts draft is every single one of these players have something in common, and that's production. Something the Colts desperately needed. This team has been in the playoffs before with Andrew Luck, and as of recent has stalled out to get back there, but with all the new additions, the Colts are a dark horse team to not only make the playoffs but win their division. Again, 718-508-9883. I would love to hear from you guys. I think we're going to take a commercial break for a little bit, and we're going to get on to the Baltimore Ravens. I uh, Again, get ready. Baltimore Ravens are coming up. If we can get this to load up here. Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any of up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com. And we're back. Thank you guys for coming back, listening in to Straight Football Talk. We, like I mentioned before, we talked about the Indianapolis Colts before the break. Um, talked about Derek Carr, David Harris, and Eric Decker, and then the Jets cap situation. Now, we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens draft recap. Again, you guys want to be a part of the conversation, dial 718-508-9883, or like our Facebook page, watch the live video, comment, even if actually, even if the video is not live, just get on there watch the video, and comment. It's perfectly fine. I'll still be able to see it, and I'll still be able to respond back to you guys. Anyways, Baltimore Ravens. Marlon Humphrey, cornerback out of Alabama, round one, pick 16. This first pick probably has every, had everybody going, well, yeah, that made sense. But does it? Arguably the Ravens' weakest point on their defense and the secondary this, um, this secondary has the task of dealing with Dalton, A.J. Green, along with the killer bees out of Pittsburgh, you know, Big Ben, uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the secondary, you know, Bell gets to the secondary quite a bit. Um, two-year player for Alabama and managed to get 61 solo tackles, 20 assisted, six and a half for a loss, and five interceptions, and three forced fumbles. Now, I have to say, Reading those stats and checking out his bio and game footage, there's a lot of concern when it comes to Humphrey, whether it's impatient uh, in his press coverage or has issues with playing on the, um, on the deep ball. Humphrey, as a starter, did allow more than 19 yards per completion. It's a lot. He will need to sit back and learn from Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr to help him with his coverage uh, and inconsistencies, along with the Ravens staff, of course. Um, But where he lacks in coverage, he does well in run support, and that may help him earn some playing time. But he will need to get to work and prepare for the opposition that he will face twice a year in the AFC North. got a big task ahead of him. Um, The stats are lackluster, and he's got some superstars in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. He's even got some decent competition out of Cleveland. Got to get to work. Next prospect, Tyus Bowser, outside linebacker out of Houston, round two, pick 15. He was a starter for every game in the 2015 season his junior year, and he made 50 tackles, six and a half for the loss, and five and a half sacks. And were there big expectations for Bowser last year, his senior year? Yes, there were big expectations for him. But he unfortunately had a broken orbital bone, and had to miss a month. Even with the injury, he was able to come back and still get second-team all-conference, which was the result in him leading his team with eight-and-a-half sacks and also 12 tackles for a loss in just eight games. Over the course of his first two years on campus, Bowser played basketball and football, which shows his versatility as an athlete. Speaking of him being an athlete, at the Combine, he ran a 4.6540, as well as a 37 and a half inch vertical, 127-inch broad jump, and 6.75 three-cone drill. The Ravens will use Bowser on this defense in hopes to bring this defense back to its glory days. I know it was a top-ten defense last year, but they're getting old. They're getting lackluster. They need some help. Bowser can help them. Maybe. I'm just going to throw this out here. <clears throat> Maybe they should get Bowser his spiked turtle shell and have him spit fire like he does on Mario. That's just my opinion, though. (laughs) Next prospect, Chris Wormley, defensive end out of University of Michigan. Round three, pick 10. First off, in his case, it wasn't obvious. If, If it wasn't obvious to, how should I rephrase that? If you didn't notice, right, Wormley is headed from one Harbaugh brother, to the next. And with the departure of Timmy Jernigan, the Ravens used the pick they got in return to replace Timmy Jernigan, which if isn't a Mr. Ozzie Newsome move, then I don't know what is. Worley was also my player to watch out for pre-combine and pre-pro day. This is a talented player, and the Ravens will make the most out of a 6'5", 300-pound frame is like 298, 300-pound frame. Probably the most concerning thing with this pickup is his consistency issues. You know, maybe one brother, Harbaugh brother, called the other Harbaugh brother to put in a good word in. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, Wormley was projected to go in uh, the second round, and the Ravens got him in the third, which was a good value pickup. Something else to keep in mind, too. Will this be a reoccurring theme with the Ravens? Uh, and drafting Wolverine players. And what I mean by that is not just because of the Harbaugh's, all right? I mean, not just because of the connection with Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh. But if you look back in recent years, the Steelers have been pretty Ohio State friendly in this draft, not in this draft, but in previous drafts, recent drafts. So are the Ravens trying to make sure rivals stay rivals and keep the intensity between the Ravens and the Steelers alive by using one of the Uh, the biggest and oldest rivalries in college football? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Just a little food for thought. Moving on from Mr. Worley. Tim Williams, outside linebacker out of Alabama, round three, pick 14. Two things stick out with this pick. Number one, the Ravens have now used their first four picks to address the defense. And two, Tim Williams is not – only joining fellow teammate Marlon Humphrey on the Ravens. But the two, Marlon Humphrey and Tim Williams, uh, Alabama prospects, are reuniting with former Alabama teammate C.J. Mosley. Interesting thought. And probably the most intriguing part is with the Ravens' four pickups, they they have potential starters in all of them and can create a nice bond or chemistry that will only prove to help this Ravens' defense. Williams is more of a pass rushing specialist rather than having him go into coverage and do multiple things at once. But he had a great coach coach to learn from, and he has the talent to help this Ravens defense. One thing that is a concern for Williams is his lack of – or his off-the-field issues, his, his character, or lack thereof. He reportedly failed multiple drug tests. And had to sit for the first half of the Kentucky game last year due to him being arrested for a misdemeanor gun charge. Again, could be why he slid. Could be um, a fluke thing. You know, maybe the, the the Ravens will get him in line. I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. But he's got talent. He it's another it's another rusher for you know for the Ravens defense. Again, you can't have too many rushers. Good um, pickup. Next pick, Nico Saragusa, offensive guard, San Diego State, round four, pick 16. Starting every game as a senior, Nico earned third uh, team All American and first team All Mountain West for the second straight year. Nico actually started all 41 games over the past three years at the left guard position, which has to be a part of why Donnell Humphrey set the NCAA re- uh, career rushing record, yards record. Nico is a 6'4", 319-pound beast. He's a big boy. And he may not be as tall as some of these offensive guard prospects, but he still has – he's still gritty. He's compact, has strong core. He's powerful. Something the Ravens um, lo- love, actually. They're they are going to love this guy. Where he excels at in making holes for the run game, though he struggles um, – with protecting the pass game, which is something the Ravens will have to uh, have to address. But if they can get a good run game going, maybe they can fool defenses by being able to run p- the play action. Just a thought. Moving on from Nico. Jermaine Eluminer. Eluminer, that's how it is. Excuse me. Offensive guard, Texas A&M, round five, pick 15. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jermaine wasn't able to become a starter until last year, but he did start 12 out of 13 games, three at right guard, nine at right tackle. Another gritty, powerful big boy, 6'4", 332 pounds. Um, Jermaine is still a young, inexperienced in his football career. He came from overseas uh, from London when he was 14 in uh, 2008, returned to London during his sophomore year of high school, and then came back to the States. To become a, uh, to pursue his professional football career, he may be raw, but like I said about Nate ha- uh, Hairston going to the Colts, this kid is a ball of clay, and now the Ravens get to mold him how they want him. He obviously has a disadvantage of uh, with his uh, inexperience, and will more than likely have a back role, backup role, excuse me. But he could be a solid lineman for years to come. He's going to be learning. He's a big boy. The Ravens are going to want to use him, especially. I mean, he's going, to, he's going to get a shot eventually, I'm sure. Moving on from Jermaine. Chuck Clark, defensive back out of Virginia Tech. Round six, pick number two. Three-year starter that has been been a productive tackler and is the gritty, aggressive, aggressive AFC North-style football player the Ravens like to have. Over the course of his collegiate career, he was able to accumulate 170 solo tackles, 122 assisted, 14 for a loss, two and a half sacks, two interceptions, and one forced fumble. In my opinion, this was a solid pick for where he was drafted. Expectations aren't high, and to get a productive tackler is a good thing. He does have, however, a tough task ahead of him, and if he wants to become a starter, he will have to get over the likes of Eric Weddle and Tony Jefferson. A backup role, special teams guy, is the most realistic expectation for Clark. But Weddle and Jefferson aren't getting getting any younger either. Learns behind Eric Weddle and Jefferson. Could become a good player himself. Have to wait and see. Now, that was the last pick for the Ravens, Ravens draft grade. Of course, I'm not going to tell you right away. Give you my explanation. Five out of their seven draft picks all went to defensive players. Ravens football isn't a high-flying, flashy offense. It's a gritty – I've said that many times – it's a gritty, smash-mouth, down-in-the-dirt slugfest, and they stay true to themselves in this draft. I would have liked to have seen them draft uh, draft a wide receiver somewhere in this draft, to be honest. Yes, I know they acquired Jamie Macklin, but he's not a for-sure thing. He's been injured before. And after him, they have Mike Wallace, and that's about it. I would have also liked to have seen them go out and get a productive running back. First running back that comes to my mind that would fit, that would be like Ravens style football, Samadja Perrine. That kind of addition to this mediocre backfield would have been huge to this team. The Ravens ranked 28th in rush yards per game, and no matter how good your defense is, you need a run game. This draft class is solid, and I would have just liked to have seen them just tweak a couple of things to make this draft class and the whole the team as a whole that much more competitive. Again, uh, you know, where would I like to have seen that at? Um, let's see. they You know, they addressed linebacker with uh, Bowser there in round two. You know, instead of Tim Williams, maybe go with a Samadji Perrine. Uh, that was still round three. Um, There's a couple of guys there that they could have used, and it would have been in my opinion, better. They could have gotten a wide receiver. I like the two um, offensive linemen there. I think that's a good solid pick right where they're at. Um, wide receiver down the sixth round probably wouldn't have got hardly any play time, but, again, their right, wide receivers aren't that great either. So, again, you never know. Um, yeah, just, a, again, a couple of things Tweet there. If you guys want to be a part of the conversation, dial 718-508-9883 or, yet again, like straight football talks Facebook page. Watch the videos if you're not watching like you can still watch them, and comment. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know if you, if you, even if you don't agree with me and you disagree completely, tell me about it. It's part of sports. Everybody has an opinion. I love hearing people's different different uh, views on on a subject. Now, it is that time. That is the our draft recaps are over. Let's see here. There it is. We've got straight football talks, fun facts. Tom Brady has a new goal for his career: playing a, a game, a NFL game in China. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Next one: Deshaun Kaiser is allegedly closing the gap on starter Cody Kessler. I actually read this the other day. Um, very interesting. We could actually be seeing the first four rookies that the Browns drafted starting week one. How interesting would that be? And what would make it even more interesting is if they're productive and they're actually pretty good. So, again, like to see how this turns out here with uh, Kaiser. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Kaiser, but there again, prove me wrong. He's doing so. Former Pats and Chiefs offensive lineman Ryan O'Callaghan announced he was uh, gay this past week and how he struggled with suicide thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, for people that know me, as far as suicide goes, you know, um, obviously not a good thing. I, you don't want anybody that that to happen to anyone. Um, and as far as him coming out and being gay, you know, more power to him. Again, I, I'd like to stick to the football t- uh, part of it. Um And not really, I guess it's not politics, but again, it's not really 100% football related, but congrats to him. Lions president said he will do whatever it takes to sign Matthew Stafford to a long-term deal, even if that requires him making the highest-paid player ever. Well, all you got to do is beat Derek Carr's contract. (laughs) Warren Sapp intends to donate his brain to research to science. Saw that, too. Awesome. I mean, just what can we learn? You know, especially with him taking all the hits, you know, all the injuries he could have sustained to his brain, they're going to learn stuff. That's, that's fantastic. Derek Carr started his career 0-10, and, and now he's the highest-paid player in the NFL. Again, it just goes to show, work your butt off. You're going to make it. You can make it. The last quarterback to start week one for the Raiders before Derek Carr was Terrell Pryor, who's now a wide receiver for the Redskins. Interesting. Mike Vick's dad has been charged for heroin and money laundering. Sounds like an interesting family. Page's wide receiver, Malcolm Mitchell got a children's book deal. Awesome. Get back to the kids. <clears throat> Carson Wentz went to a Fergie concert and danced on stage. That would be fun. That, that sounds like a blast. Honestly, I would, I would do that. Colin Kaepernick is supposedly retiring from the NFL. Um, In regards to Colin Kaepernick, you need to decide whether you're going to be an activist or or a a football player. Um, Kaepernick is obviously choosing the activist side. More power to him. He has every right to do so. Um, NFL team showed a little bit of interest, but it wasn't enough for him to stay in the NFL. Wish him the best of luck. Derek Carr is pulling a Joe Flacco after a huge mega deal but instead of going to McDonald's, Derek Carr is going to Chick-fil-A. Hey, whatever you're into. Chiefs GM John Dorsey was shockingly let go. I just with that, I just want to see what what transpires afterwards. I want to see what happens with with the uh, Dorsey releasing. It's going to be interesting. Raiders owner gets a lot of money for a new stadium to be to put in Las Vegas and then signs his quarterback to be the highest paid player. Hmm. That's not fishy at all, is it? No, it's not. We'll just put that slide. <laughs> According to Archie Manning, Dolphins head coach Adam Gase contacted Peyton Manning about playing for after Ryan Tannehill went down with a season ending injury last year. Oh boy, that's funny. That would have been interesting. That would have NFL headlines would have blown NFL networks would have blown they would have lost themselves in that. The Andrew Luck era started with the team going to the playoffs three straight years with an 11-5 and five record. Hmm. See if they can get back there. They had a tough, tough road ahead of them. Both Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh came to the team in 2008. John replaced longtime head coach Brian Billick, and Joe was drafted to replace Kyle Bowler. So far it's worked out pretty well for him. The duo of Flacco and Harbaugh have only missed the playoffs three times in their tenure. Again, it's worked out for them. John drafted one player from Michigan, which is where John's brother Jim is the head coach. That player was Chris Wormley. Just mentioned that earlier. Interesting how that turns out, huh? Chuck Pagano coached under John in Baltimore. Chuck started off as the secondary coach, then made his way to the defensive coordinator before taking the Indianapolis uh, head coaching gig. Very interesting. Tony Dungy was the last Colt uh, head coach to win a Super Bowl. I did know that. Jim Caldwell was the last coach to take the Colts to a Super Bowl where they lost. Uh, Can anybody remember who they lost to? I can tell you right off the bat. New Orleans Saints, Mr. Drew Brees. Fantasy four. I love these. Number one, who would you rather have? Of course, what we're talking about is – with fantasy, it's going to be the teams that we talked about today for the draft, uh, which would be the Colts and the Ravens. So um, to give you an idea of what we're talking about with fantasy, uh, who would you rather have, T.Y. Hilton or Jeremy Macklin? T.Y. We know the connection there. Jeremy Macklin has some injury problems. And, again, we don't know the connection with him and Joe Flacco, T.Y. Hilton, all day for right now. Dante Moncrief or Mike Wallace? Um, honestly, I think I'm going to go with Mike Wallace here. He has that connection with uh, Joe Flacco. He's also a deep threat. And Joe Flacco has a cannon for an arm. I like the possibilities there. Frank Gore or Danny Woodhead? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Um, I think they're both later picks, but man, that is a tough one. I'm gonna have to say Danny Woodhead just because. Uh, only if you're in a PPR league. If you're not in a PPR league, then I go Frank Gore. But PPR, Danny Woodhead has the ability to has the versatility to be a, a catching running back. And that's always good. More points for you. Crockett Gilmore or Ben Watson? Another tough one. Um, Then we'll go with Ben Watson. No, I know. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I shouldn't be doing this, but Ben Watson. Jack Doyle or Raven tight end selected? Doyle. Justin Tucker or Adam Vinatieri? Justin Tucker. That dude's got a boot. Marlon Mack or Terrence West? Um... Honestly, there, that's another tough one. I don't think Marlon Mack's going to get a bunch of touches, so I'm going to go with Terrence West here. Terrence West is the number one guy and is able to catch out of the backfield. Um, I guess I didn't think about that with Danny Woodhead before. I forgot about Terrence West. Um,
0: mm,
1: So, yeah, I guess up ahead, I guess I I would grab Frank Gore over Danny Woodhead and then Terrence West over Marlon Mack. only makes sense. Number two. If Joe Flacco was there for the taking in the later rounds, should I feel comfortable drafting him as my starter? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the starting quarterback. He gets the job done. He gets you points. You know, that's the way a lot of guys draft. They draft a quarterback in the first round. They get like Aaron Rodgers, right? And then they get back to the later rounds, and then, oh, man, I need a running back. There's no good running backs to be had. Whereas if you go running back a wide receiver in the uh, beginning rounds, rounds one and two, you go look at the later rounds for quarterbacks, oh, well, we've got Joe Flacco here. Oh, well, we've got Big Ben here. Well, we've got Philip Rivers here. The one year, two years ago, I drafted Carson Palmer in the t- uh, round 10, and he was a top five um, quarterback. Last year, Philip Rivers was, gosh, I want to say round six, seven, so was Big Ben. You can wait for good quarterbacks till the later round. Joe Flacco is another – again, he's not amazing. He's not Marcus Mariota uh, fantasy wise. He's not Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but he gets the job done. He's not going to get you nearly as many points, but it's not that big of a a gap. (laughs) Number three, I'm in a PPR league, and if I decide to draft two or three straight wide receivers and then my running back, is Danny Woodhead a trustworthy running back as uh, as my number one running back? No. You need to look at who is there. The problem with guessing before your draft – uh, where you're going to be, dra- what you're going to be drafting, everything is one knowing what um, spot you're at. So I'm in a 16-person league. That's very big. Um, if I'm in the first couple rounds or first couple picks, like let's say top five, I need to be given serious consideration to the likes of um, Le'Veon Bell. I need to be given serious consideration to uh, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, um, and if that's for the running backs, for the wide receivers, you need to be looking at. Antonio Brown, Odo Beckham, Julio Jones. These are all guys you need to consider. And then once you get to rounds two, you're going to be seeing guys like, um, maybe Jordy Nelson, Des Bryant. I haven't been, I haven't checked yet on fantasy of where guys are going just yet, but you're going to have some of those guys, um, rounds two and three, um, the Marius Thomas, um, you're going to have Brandon Marshall, some probably close to around two or three, I would say. Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Martavis Bryant's probably going to be a guy that you could be looking at later on in the draft and, and your fantasy football draft and hit a home run with. Now, if you're in a dynasty league, um, guys you want to watch out for for rookies, I would say, um, Obviously, Mike Williams, Corey Davis is probably my number one receiver to be watching out for. Obviously, Leonard Fournette would be a guy to look out for to see where he's at in any league. A um, couple of good guys there. So, um, even though you're in a PPR league, Danny Wood has not a good number one running back. Um, if you're waiting that far after round three and you're in round four for a running back, you're going to be hurting. You need to be looking at rounds one and two to get a running back. Now, number four, best besides Luck, Gore, Hilton, Moncrief, and Doyle, Is there a sleeper Colts player worth drafting? Marlon Mack could be worth drafting, of course. Um, Trying to think. There's another guy that I cannot think of off the top of my head right now. Um, My goodness. Let's go up here. We're on one second, guys. We're going to take a look at this Colts roster. Because if I try to keep track of every single player on each roster, so let's look here. Oh, Kamar Aiken, they just acquired him. He was with the Ravens. He could be interesting. Um, let's see here. I did say Marlon Mack already. Uh, Philip Dorsett, of course. That's another great speed guy. Um See, there, there's Marlon Mack. Let's see, Dante Mark, Uh ooh, That's about all that's popping up here for other good sleepers, like guys you'd want to, you know, would th- you'd think would get actually actually get production um, this next coming year. Yeah, I would say Marlon Mack, Dorsett. I've completely forgot about Dorsett um, and Kamar Aiken. I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad some bad picks to be uh, considering. Fast five, who has a better chance to win their division between the Colts and the Ravens? Oh, the Ravens. Um, Well, man, that's tough. You look at it, yes, the Ravens don't have as much competition, but to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's going to be a tough task for the Ravens to do. Steelers looking high-flying offense. Their defense is getting better. They're young. They're all having a nice, good chemistry. They're meshing together real nice. Um, Man, that's tough. Uh, I'm still going to give it to the Ravens. Um, the Ravens have been known to, you know, um, stump the Steelers. They've been known to do that, and that's really their only competition in that division. Uh, the Bengals, I think, are going to be in last place in the AFC North uh, as of right now. I think the Browns are going to go third place. With the Colts, you've got the likes of the Titans who are going to be very tough. You've got the likes of the Texans who are going to be very tough. And, again, the Jaguars are nobody to sleep on. So Ravens got a slightly better chance of winning their division. Week 16, December 23rd, Indy travels to Baltimore. And what could be a potential playoff implication? Who wins? Ooh. Boy, that's a good one. That is a good question. Awesome, Austin. You've got some great questions on here, buddy. I love it. Um, I'm going to give it to uh, Baltimore. Baltimore's defense is still pretty good. Um, the run game needs definitely needs an upgrade, but... They've got Joe Flacco. They added Jeremy Maclin. If he can stay healthy, that'd be good. They've got Mike Wallace. Um, again, if they can, if the defense can contain Andrew Luck, can contain the running game, I suppose. Um, again, Baltimore should be able to win. Home field advantage helps them. It's tough to play in Baltimore. It really is. Number three, would you rather have Indy's offense or Baltimore's defense? Oof, oof, another good one. Um. I'm going to say Baltimore's defense. This is a Steelers fan saying this. Baltimore's defense is still good. Um, you know what? No, I can't do it. Indy's offense, not because I'm biased or anything. Indy's offense is just – it's got the pieces there. It's got a lot of good weapons. Uh, obviously, Andrew Luck being a franchise quarterback. Um, run game with Frank Gore, is he's getting older. But, again, you've got Marlon Mack behind him. You've got a decent tight end at Jack, uh, in Jack Doyle. Um, Obviously, T.Y. Hilton being the speedster that he is, Philip Dorsett, uh, Moncrief, you've got some guys there that could definitely make it impact, or very impactful. And, again, their defense is getting better, too, with the Colts. So, I mean, don't don't sleep on the Colts' defense either. Who needs more of their team, Andrew Luck or John Harbaugh? Uh, I'm going to say Andrew Luck. Um, John Harbaugh is valuable, but, again, there's other good coaches out there that can help them. You could say that about there being other good quarterbacks, but Andrew Luck, from the beginning, has been great for the Colts. Um, Ozzie Newsom can has really been the draft expert for that team. Um, he knows when he, you know, he knows what, what to look for when it comes to the drafts. Um, again, there's other good coaches that could fill him. I got to get it to Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck's just, I mean, he's a franchise guy. Um, number five, if the Colts miss out of the playoffs again, is it safe to say Chuck Pagano will be looking for a new, a new job? Um, there's a good probability, but depends. Let's say the Titans and the Texans beat them. You know, one of them, one the Titans or the Texans, win their division, um, and they both make playoffs. And the Colts ha, still have a winning record. They just don't make the playoffs. I mean, that that's tough to sit there and say, okay, you're fired because of this. Well, really, um, we had a we had a winning record. We Barely missed playoffs, I, and I can see this happening. Barely missing playoffs, next year is going to be our year. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, I just you hate to get rid of somebody after a winning season, that's for sure. Um, now, if it's an, another eight and eight season, and or a losing season for that matter, which they haven't had with Andrew Luck, um, then there's a good probability, a great pro- probability of Pagano leaving or being fired. Um, so again. The Colts is just we're going to have to wait and see what's, what's going to happen with them. Uh, let's see. Teams that have been bad for most of the last decade feel they need to pay these franchise QBs because they uh, brought these teams back to the playoffs and relevance. Deserve it or not, the city, fans, and organization deserves to keep these players, keep excitement and playoff hopes. Exactly. Derek Carr, I know what he's talking about. Derek Carr is, the, is their guy. He's the guy. And they need to keep him, and they did just that. Now, 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 there's going to be some guys – should have addressed this earlier. There's going to be some guys that are going to say, well, Carr got hurt. He can get hurt again. Anything can happen, right? Of course, it's an NFL. Anything can happen. He's got $70 million guaranteed. Honestly, he could retire if he wanted to. He's going to be guaranteed $70 million to play football. He wants to bring a Super Bowl back to the Raiders. He wants to bring a Lombardi trophy to the Raiders even if that's not in Oakland, it's in Las Vegas, he wants to bring that to the Raiders, and, he, and it shows. He lays it all on the line. He gives it everything he's got. Uh, even when he was hurt with a, his hand injury and they had to run out of the shotgun all the time, um, he still was pr- a productive player. He's the, he's the kind of quarterback you want for your franchise. He's going to give it 110%, and he's not going to stop. First thing that comes to my mind with somebody playing um, through an injury is Big Ben Roethlisberger. How many times have we seen Big Ben play through an injury and still play pretty darn well, actually? Um, It's just that kind of guy, that kind of mentality that you want for your franchise quarterback. Colts need that type of attitude on defense, talking about the franchise, yes. Mr. Walker, Jr., uh, the franchise out of Northwestern. Uh, That's a great – I mean, being egotistical isn't always great, but having that confidence, coming into the locker room – bringing that to the defense, that's going to boost everybody's attitude. That's that's a, that's a big factor. Um, I'd be inclined to agree defense win you titles. We've seen a lot of games come down to bat it out, uh, pass or game-sealing sack. Uh, the Colts could use a lift on defense, especially in a, D, a division that is already steadily getting more talented. Uh, that was our buddy Big D's comment right there. I love that comment. That's a great comment. Um, the Titans are looking – a lot tougher, especially with the addition of uh, Cyprin on their defense and Decker on offense. They also added Logan Ryan. They've, the Di- Titans have been working. They've been busy this offseason, and it's going to show this, this, uh, this regular season. Um, the Jags are talented. Just don't think they have the depth on the defense to compete with some of the big boys. It's true. I think that the Jaguars are a very talented team, and they're only a couple players away from uh, being pl- a playoff team. Um, I think what we're looking at right now is it's between the Texans and the Titans winning that division. The Colts are, again, a dark horse team. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, the Jets seem to be tanking. Um, I don't think they'll draft from USC. I remember Sanchez, Sanchez. He was USC. It's true. could very well happen to where they decide to go with another quarterback, but depends on how he looks this season. Anybody can get hurt um, on top of that. <clears throat> Obviously, the Combine is going to play, have an effect, pro days. Um, if anything happens this offseason, as far as off-the-field issues, a lot of things that could happen. Let's see here. Is there anything else? I think the Titans will be scary this year. If Mariota stays healthy and they can get their defense to force some more turnovers, they could be, a nice, be set up for a nice run this year. Very true. Again, Titans are a scary pick. Um, and don't sleep on them because they will burn you. And my niece says, hi, Teddy. Hello, Lila. I love you very much. Now, um, how much pressure is on Flacco to win a Super Bowl with all these weapons he has now? Um, There is pressure on Flacco. He's got a big – he signed a big mega deal after his Super Bowl uh, MVP performance, Super Bowl win. Um, There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. If the defense holds up, the receivers are making – you know, doing their job, they may have to – I really think the Ravens eventually are going to have to restructure um, his contract eventually. I really do. Um, they obviously got Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace again. The, the the people that are around them aren't the greatest, but, again, he needs to show that he's the guy. You look at Peyton Manning, you look at Tom Brady. They make the guys around them better. He's got that kind of money. He needs to prove it. Um they don't have a run game. They're they're um Terrence West being the number one guy, Danny Woodhead behind him for passing down. You you're looking at um just a lackluster offense and it comes to, and it's gonna come down to Flacco, everything being on Flacco's shoulders. I think is what the what what, what we're getting at here. And they're gonna ha- he's gonna have to he's gonna have to pull his weight. They're going to have to rely on Flacco on the offense, and then they're going to have to rely on the defense to keep them in the game. Again, this, this isn't the same Ravens team we've seen before when they had, oh, when they had Torrey Smith, right, when they had Ray Rice. I mean, this is not the same Ravens team or the Ravens team we're all used to uh, when they had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. I mean, this is, this is a team that's somewhat hurting on offense now, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can compete for the AFC North, which I think they'll compete. But if they can compete and if they can win that division, which I don't think will happen, again, I think the killer bees run away with it. I really do. Um, it's possible for the Ravens to get in the playoffs, but you've got guys, again, we've talked about it in previous segments before. You've got the Titans. You've got the Texans. The Chiefs could be a playoff team. I'm not a real big fan of that. Uh, the Chargers look to be has some playoff implications. The Raiders, obviously, could be in the playoffs. Um, the Miami Dolphins is another sneaky team. I can't wait to talk about them in later later segments. Um, there's a lot of AFC teams in general that are going to be – it's going to be tough. It's going to be a crowded uh, – it's going to be crowded to get into the playoffs next year. Division winners obviously need to, you know – the best way to do it is win division to make sure you're in there. So, uh, let's see. So, I think he will manage to put up decent stats. He usually does, even with injuries – Offense last year he managed. Um, I believe we're talking about um, – let's see. Yeah, we're still talking about Joe Flacco there. Um, and, again, that comes back to the fantasy football point. Yeah, Joe Flacco is a great quarterback to get. Uh, okay, whoa, 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 A good quarterback, a viable quarterback to get for um, fantasy football. If you don't have a quarterback in, like, rounds 8, 9, 10, and Joe Flacco sitting there, don't hesitate to pull that trigger because chances are – Again, depending on how you draft, the chances are you're going to have running backs like Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Doug Martin even. Um, You're going to have maybe even Melvin Gordon at running back. You're going to have wide receivers like Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, um, Julio Jones maybe, um, Brandon Marshall even. You're going to have some of those top guys. And just to have a consistent quarterback, a consistent um, point getter, every week. Um, that's what matters right there. And that's, a, again, I've been competitive in my 16-person league. Uh, I've went to the finals in my league and a couple other leagues every year for the like, last two or three years using that kind of, um, I don't want to say scheme, but um, that's the spreadsheet that I use. That's the that's the um, tactic that I use. Worry about running backs and wide receivers first, then get quarterbacks later. Um if you're wondering about Marcus Mariota, that's a, quarterback, a top quarterback you get, people are going to be looking at. You're probably looking at rounds anywhere from round one to four. I And I would be surprised if he'd make it to the fourth, to be honest.
0: Um,
1: Dak Prescott, I think, is going to be overrated in the fantasy world next year. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be picked early offensive rookie of the year. I think that should have went to Ezekiel Elliott. but people are going to make an argument for Dak Prescott. Let them make that argument, in all honesty. You can get another viable quarterback that's not going to be hardly at all Uh, that much more behind Dak Prescott, whereas, or, yeah, that much more behind Dak Prescott, um, and you can get that kind of quarterback later on in this draft. I mean, we're talking a few rounds later. It's better to get your running backs and wide receivers out of the way in the beginning. It really is. Uh, People are going to say, what about tight ends? I've got tight end spot uh, for my lineup. Tight ends, you're looking about mid-round or mid-draft. People are going to, draft early and get, you know, Rob Gronkowski. Um, that's obviously proven to burn people, especially last year when people were drafting them in the first round. That's not, you don't want that. Um, you, you don't want to draft a guy. And then, I mean, that's with anybody. I know my, uh, our buddy, Austin awesome Austin drafted, uh, Des Bryant. Um, he wasn't a huge fan of that pick, <laughs> especially at the end of the season. Um, Again, and also when it comes to fantasy, I just want to make this note make trades you you're going to want to make trades you keep if you keep making trades, the better your team's going to get you know and and don't and don't stop either because if you stick with your team throughout the whole season, your chances are greater of having a a, a worse record. they really are uh, there's a there's actually quite a bit of stats to to back that up um Got another question here. Does Decker give his new team the boost they need on offense to make a real push for division champs? Absolutely. It's real. Eric Decker's real. The, the hype's real. Um, <laughs> I really do think the Titans – oh, man, it's going to be tough. It's, and you know what it comes down to with between the Texans and the Titans? It's going to come down to Deshaun Watson, um, how well he plays on offense, how well he spreads the ball out. Um, Including with um, oh geez 'em. The the Texas offense in general, really. Um but again, Deshaun Watson, we're we're all planning on him starting week one. We're all planning on him being good. Bill O'Brien hasn't had a good quarterback like that in the NFL yet. Gonna all depend on the Texans. The Texans defense is good. Marcus Mariota can find a way to score points, though. If they were right there again winning the division last year, they'll they'll be right there again. Um, does Carr have pressure to win a title this year with his contract so large, how high are expectations for, for the Raiders, Ted? Raiders' expectations are very high, but it's not all on – oh, like I said before, their Carr is the man there. He ha, he has already proven and stepped up to the plate and earned his contract. What the Raiders need, though, is as an organization, like when you're looking at it as a GM standpoint or head coach standpoint, you're looking at this and you're going – our defense needs to step up now. Our quarterback stepped up to the play. He's bellied up to the bar. Our defense needs to step up to the, you know, belly up to the bar. That's how that's going to go there. And the only way for this Raiders team to win a, a win a championship, when bring the Lombardi back, is the defense has got to step up. If he's in shootouts every game, the, his his stats could be totally skewed next year, and he then they go nine and seven, right? They they could very well be a completely different team. If they got to do shootouts every week and, you know, the opposing team scores that last drive. Like, for instance, Phillip Rivers, they got to play the Chargers. The Raiders have to play the Chargers twice a year. If Philip Rivers gets the ball at the end of the game and he scores and wins the game twice, there's two notches down off that, off that Raiders team. How chaotic would, have that, would that have made the playoff uh, situation last year? It would have been crazy. Can the Raiders win the division, or will we see the Chiefs steal the crown? I don't think the Chiefs make even make playoffs this year. I don't even think they're a wild card. I'm not worried about the Chiefs. I think their defense is old. I think Alex, Alex Smith is lackluster and getting old as well. Um, my personal opinion is I think Patrick Mahomes um, will possibly get the starting gig at quarterback next year. I have to wait and find out. Now, with all that, fantasy football is coming up. Um, July is really when I start to, you know, uh, study and start practicing Uh, fantasy football mock drafts got a couple weeks here till that happens be prepared best thing to do for your fantasy football is not to go in there blind you'd go in there blind you don't know who's going to go where you can kind of manage your the way you can draft this Um, not a lot of people are in a 16 person league like I am a lot most are in 10 12 people league some 14 Um, you can kind of manage and see where that's going if you see a lot of guys taking running backs early may want to think about getting a running back. If you see a lot of guys getting wide receivers there, you may want to start paying, planning and seeing where wide receivers could end up. You've, you've got to do the math. You've got to do the homework with fantasy football. So I know there's a lot of money in fantasy football. You want to win that money, you gotta you got to put in the time for it. Um, another question, will the Steelers be competitive after Big Ben retires? Yes, the Steelers will be competitive after, after Big Ben retires. That is a non-bias, non, no BS filter. Uh, answer. Big Ben is very valuable to the Steelers. Um, there's no question about it. But you've got Le'Veon Bell, you've got Antonio Brown, you've got Martavis Bryant, you've got uh, Jesse James, who was solid. You've got a solid young defense that's going to mesh together very well. Again, I, um, I'm i I'm kind of waiting to see. I'm wondering who will be taking over for Big Ben. We thought it could have been Landry Jones. Uh, Landry Jones has proven to be lackluster. Um, now it's Josh Dobbs. We just drafted Josh Dobbs. Could see how you know we're we'll going to see how that goes. Um, could it be Big Ben leaves and we go out and get a free agent? Could I know? Um, I would like to see if it doesn't work out between Kirk Cousins the Redskins. That would be a quarterback I wouldn't mind seeing over in Pittsburgh. That'd be interesting. Um, I do love Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is is a, is a smart player. Um, little scrawny. But you can always beef up in the n f l right so moving on uh and- con- what i w- I'm wanna wrap this up here. we're just over an hour hour and fifteen minutes now. Um, I want to say i won't we won't be on next weekend. um I will be out of town, be actually up at the lake, enjoying fishing, swimming, relaxation um, after that, the following week, we will be talking about the Redskins, right, uh, pick uh, 17 in the NFL draft, or the first round, I should say. Um, and then you would think that we'd be talking about the Titans with pick 18. Um, but guess what? We've already talked about the Titans. It's true. So let's see. I believe it. I want to say it's the Buccaneers. it been, been a little bit since I have can remember. But I want to say it's the Buccaneers. Uh, Let's see. Go ahead and go order. And it is the Buccaneers. There we go. That's what I thought it was. So, Redskins, Buccaneers. Very interesting. Good drafts for both of them. Very excited to talk about them. Can't wait to see you guys back on. So, again, I want to remind everyone we won't be on next weekend, but the following weekend we will be. can't wait to see you then. If you haven't checked out Awesome Austin's uh, article, the clock is ticking. Check it out on our Facebook page. Very good read, um, very accurate, 100% non-biased, 100% no BS. Tells you straight up That's how I like it. I want to thank everybody again. Again, if you didn't watch the video live, if you didn't listen in live, go ahead and like our Facebook page. Get on there and comment. I'm going to see your comments. I'm going to see them. I want to. I'll respond back. I'd love to hear from you guys. Take care. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. See
0: ya.